Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm Rachel Schmitz, your host, and here again with me is my husband and co-host, Michael. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for that formal introduction, Michael. <laughs> yeah, so the world knows you as Mike, but it's I true. have always called you Michael. It's true. I think even when we were friends, maybe in high school, we I called you, maybe I called you Mike, but quickly it became Michael. I don't know. I have this thing about full names. Like we have a Jonathan and we have a Joshua in our family, and they've always been Jonathan and Joshua. No Josh or John here. Nope. Nope. And they like that. They prefer it too. So mm-hmm. it's stuck. That's quite the rabbit trail to open us up here, (laughs) but that's okay. Our theme today is on mentors, and the reason we're doing this today is, well, it means a lot to both of us. All the mentors we've had in our own lives have propelled us to where we are today. And Mike had an interesting follow-up. We had a conversation from our last episode on Landmarks and Landmines Part Mm 2. So I'd like you to share with us what inspired you to maybe do an episode on mentors. Sure. Well, speaking of rabbit trails, we (laughs) don't always know how these episodes are going to go. You put together some pretty detailed show notes on a specific topic, but then there always seems to be one specific idea or theme that we kind of latch on to. And as I was listening back to the episode last time, uh, Toby does all the editing, but I listen to it and then I publish it. And uh, as I was listening to it, reviewing it before we were publishing, the part that kind of stood out to me was the whole discussion about having a, a spiritual father. We were talking about our pastor and the anointing that he has for that specific area of our life and kind of talking about how that gets wasted when we just want him to be our buddy. You know, it's having him fill a role that he's not really designed to fill not that he can't be anybody's friend but it's almost like there's a lot of people who can qualify for that role but there are very few or even a single person who can qualify as your spiritual leader and so putting the right people in the right places and giving them the right position and authority in your life is really important and then that got me thinking about this whole topic of mentors because a mentor is somebody that you submit to. It's somebody that you allow to speak into your life. It's not someone you try to reason with and convince that you should get your way. You just kind of shut up and do it their way because they have more experience or they've achieved a result that you want to achieve. You know, there's, we're going to talk about a lot of different areas of our life that you might want to mentor in. But basically, if somebody has done something and they know how to get there and they can function as a coach and they can show you the path, it's almost like a shortcut. You don't have to make all the mistakes that they made necessarily in order to figure it out for yourself. You can just do what they they know to do, but that requires humility and submission and mm-hmm. admitting that you don't have it all figured out. <laughs> yeah. And our discussion on boundaries was a great segue for this because having mentors in different areas of our life are a very great way to set proper boundaries. And without that, without having that leadership in our life, it's very easy to lose track of where those boundary lines are and to get ourselves in a position where things are blending together that shouldn't be blending together. Mm-hmm. And speaking of like spiritual mentors, I would say that was is the first and foremost most important area to have a mentor in 
And as we have discussed in great detail, for us, it is our pastor. Well, let me jump in there real quick, because I think if you have the same sort of value system that you and I have, yeah, absolutely, that's the most important one. But really, it kind of comes back to that wheel of life exercise. And you have the ability to define for yourself whatever is most important in whatever season of life you happen to find yourself in. If you prioritize finances, then you can make some progress and have some success in the area of finances, but you'll neglect some other areas and you won't grow as much or you won't get the results in the other areas that you really want. And so for us, we've kind of made enough mistakes that we recognize that the spiritual one is the one that everything else flows from. But the most important mentor in your life is going to be determined by the area of your life that is most important to you at this particular moment. Right. And let's say that makes me think of the fact that if you have, let's say if you're like in our case where you have a pastor that is a very strong, stable person and you can trust them and rely on them for guidance, not that you just like take, you're not lemmings that just follow them off a cliff, right? Mm -hmm. But there's someone that's been trusted, tried and true over years and you can trust what they have to say. Let's say we have a regular routine of hearing from them and them get... Um, giving guidance. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe there's another area of my life that's really lacking. Well, that area, like you were saying, would require a lot of focus. Yeah. Maybe I already have a habit and routine of having a mentor spiritually. I already have that going. It's It's a regular everyday thing. It's part of my life. I can't even separate it, even if I really tried really hard, because it's so ingrained. Mm -hmm. But maybe there's another area that is totally falling apart, maybe crumbling in my life. And when I take a step back to identify that, then I can put my focus elsewhere and create habits in that area as I've done in the spiritual area. Correct. The thing is, if you are doing something and it is producing negative or no results, there's a good chance that you don't know what habits to create that are going to produce a better result. Mm -hmm. You can try, and that's what a lot of people do, trial and error. They they do the feedback loop and they see what happens and they try something else. But life is too short to continue trial and error over and over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. If you really want to see results in any area of your life, you got to find somebody who knows how to get those results and then just ask them, what should I do? Yeah. And then do what they say. I mean, one obvious example of this is with finances, a lot of people have like a financial planner. And they'll give you a percentage. This is how much you should set aside for retirement. And you take it out of your check automatically, and then you don't even think about it. And then you, when you hit a certain age, it becomes uh, accessible to you, and you can live the lifestyle that you want. And they get you to identify and then answer the right questions. They ask the right questions. And when you ask the right questions, the answers usually become clear. But the, a coach or somebody who knows the terrain, who understands what you're trying to do even though you don't know how to get there, they can help guide you in the right direction just by asking those clarifying questions and pointing you in, in, in the, the way that you should go. Another area would be if you want to get in shape, you go to the gym and you just sit down at a machine and you start doing stuff, you're not going to see any results. But if you work with a trainer, they'll say for your body type and you should eat these these foods and you should do these exercises. And this is, you know, whether your goal is 
build up endurance because you're going to run a marathon or you want to lose fat or you want to build muscle. Like there's specific things that you can do to accomplish those goals. And if you just go to the gym and just start trying stuff, I mean, it's going to take you years to figure out what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And that's wisdom. If we want to just try and figure out it out on our own, what comes to mind is why reinvent the wheel? Well, the wheel's been invented for a long time. So why would we try and reinvent that? In every area of life, there's people that have gone farther, done more, have accomplished what we want to accomplish. So why would we not go to them and find out what they did? Because that is going to save us so much time and so much energy. But like you said, you said the word humility. Yeah. That takes just putting down pride and admitting, I don't know what to do here and saying, I would like to learn from you. If you're a teacher, the hardest students are not the ones that maybe have a harder time learning. Maybe they're not the best readers. The hardest students to have are the ones that don't want to hear from you. And anytime you try to correct them or guide them, they push back, they're defiant. And I, speaking from experience, I have been through this, not just my own children, but others as well. The hardest student to have is the one that doesn't want to be taught. Yep. And that's how we can see ourselves in every area of life. Well, if this area is faltering and failing in my life, okay, who can I identify that I can learn from, who I can get wisdom from and apply that wisdom and try it out instead of just trying to figure it out over and over and over on our own. And the big thing to look for, no matter what area of life you're seeking a mentor in, is have they gotten results themselves? Mm -hmm. If you want to improve your relationship, you might go to counseling. That is a form of a mentor. It's a coach. It's somebody that you're allowing to speak into your life. But I'm not going to go to a marriage counselor who's been divorced five times. Right. <laughs> they have nothing for me because mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't want that. And yes, that doesn't mean that we can't receive any wisdom from people like that. We do need to have our antennas up because sometimes the source of wisdom comes from the least expected places. Yeah. Your kids can say things that totally hit the mark, but because it comes from your kids or your significant other or somebody that you become familiar with, you don't recognize the value of the gift that is being put before you. But if you're going to present yourself to somebody and say, I want what you have, I think of like Elijah and Elisha from the Bible. And Elisha is following Elijah everywhere. He refuses to go anywhere and without him. And Elijah even tries to send him home a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, I want I want double what you've got. <laughs> and he, he got it eventually because he prioritized his mentor or his his coach. And he was willing to go everywhere that he went and do everything that, that he did. I mean, that's getting back to the humility that you were talking about. Why don't we seek this stuff out? It's because it requires us to admit that we don't know what we're doing. Yep. And that's a scary place to be. <laughs> yeah. But the more we can admit that we don't know what to do and we can be humble, that's when we can be teachable, even from being taught, even by our children. You mentioned that, and that's that's happened to me countless times where my child has said something. And if I'm prideful, I'll just push back because I'm mom and I'm the authority. Or if I'm humble, I'll hear it and say, you're right. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. One of the scriptures that comes to mind is God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Yeah. You could have a pic certain picture in your mind. But to me, what that scripture speaks to me very strongly, 
in saying that we can't prejudge the package in which a message comes. And we have to, when you said our antennas need to be up, we need to be very discerning and careful. And when we're humble, humility makes a pathway to hear, Mm -hmm. makes a pathway for discernment to spit out the sticks, to hear the message right, even if it's from the most unassuming person, the last person we would have expected to say something or do something or to show us something that would totally transform an area of our life. Mm -hmm. And if we constantly stay in that state of seeking mentors in every area, then our life will be able to do and go way farther, Mm -hmm. do way more than we ever thought we could. Yeah, so there's something we should address here where there's two things at play here when it comes to to mentors and wisdom. So first, like you said, it can come from anywhere. We've kind of talked about that. So that doesn't mean, though, the second thing, the how do you pick a mentor? Uh, and we've mentioned you look at the fruit. Have they been able to achieve something that you want to achieve? And so there's those are two competing ideas, but that doesn't mean that, uh, that any one of them is is wrong. They're, they're both true. <laughs> so when it comes to wisdom, you can receive that from anywhere. When it comes to a mentor, uh, you do want somebody who is qualified to be a, a mentor, but the qualifications aren't maybe necessarily what you would write down or list on like a, a resume sort of a thing. The, the most effective mentors I've had in my life are not the ones that checked a bunch of boxes but there's this quality that you really can't quantify where they're not just spewing information at you, but they honestly care about you and are trying to invest in you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says you have many teachers, but few fathers. Mm-hmm. You know, A teacher is interested. I mean, they'll share what they know, but kind of take it or leave it but a father is invested and they're going to see it through and they're going to try some different things and they're going to do whatever it takes to get the person that they're investing into across the finish line. They can't do it for them. That's the hard part about being a parent. You want your kids to make right choices. You want them to be successful, but you can't just make their decisions for them. You have to provide an opportunity for them to make their own decisions and you can coach them up and get them ready for that test, but then ultimately they have to to walk it out. But a, a father is not going to leave when things get tough. Right. A mentor is going to recognize the fact that you are really struggling right now, not as a sign to run away, which is kind of what a, a business person would do. Like as soon as there's no chance of the sale, they're closing the deal and they're moving on to the next one. Mm-hmm. But a mentor is, okay, this is when they need me the most. This is actually mm-hmm. when I'm going to double down and, and press in. And that's when you really can make some some headway. And you know, when I think about the kind of legacy I want to leave, not just in my kids, but in the lives of, of other people that I have the privilege and opportunity to sow into, it's those moments that make the difference. You know, a hero is somebody who acts in a moment of time and a need greater than self. They're not worried about themselves or what they're going to get out of it, but they're thinking, what can I give out? How can I help somebody else to overcome? Right. And I like that example of being a father. Let's think of uh, parenthood. If you're a good parent, 
you're not going to quit on your kids when they continue making the same bad choice. We're going to keep working on helping them overcome that, no matter what it takes, no matter how long it takes. If you are not an invested parent and you don't see the end goal in helping your child grow and learn and improve and develop, you're going to leave. You're going to leave the house. You're going to ditch your family. But good parents don't do that. Mm -hmm. And if we think of it that way, maybe it's a good exercise to reflect on the people in our life that we allow to speak into our life. And maybe it's not even a physical person that we have contact with. It could be very much so someone we listen to a lot Yeah, that acts as a mentor in our life. I think of, I don't necessarily want to get ahead of myself here, but I think of Jim Rohn. Mm -hmm. And he's someone we listen to a lot because yep. he has a lot of good stuff to say. So if you're saying like, well, I don't know that who I have as a mentor in my life, there's really, really great resources out there to be inspired and challenged as if they were a mentor personally. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that I wanted to record this on Mentors Today was a recent conversation I had at school with another mom who is, I think, 15 years older than me. She has three adult children that have been homeschooled and two children that are still in school and they're younger. And it was a really great time with her. And I asked her a question and we had this really great conversation. It was just confirmation and encouragement to me how I have tailored things for my own children mm -hmm. and how I haven't just gone with the rigidity of a program and kept putting work and more work and more work on my kids until they were burdened. But I saw the need and the development in each one of them. And I was able to cut back certain areas or tailor it to their needs, tailor it to their ability level. And it was just refreshing for her to talk about that and how each of each child is different. And we can't go out here and judge a situation based on what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. That's a, a good point. You know, we were talking about your kids have to get it for themselves. No matter what the mentor says to do, it's never as simple as just do exactly what I do. You do have to internalize it and make it your own. You have to take possession of it and not just the system, but the principles behind it. Uh, one example, going back to the uh, the mentors and the, the heroes uh, and the voices that you allow to speak into your life, you mentioned Jim Rohn. We stumbled upon him because we listened to the book, The Art of Exceptional Living, which is great. And uh, he's got a really cool story. I'll let you get into details here in a second. But his in that book, they talk about his mentor, Earl Schof. Okay, so Earl Schof is the one who impacted uh, Jim Rohn. And Jim Rohn, when, towards the end of his life, he had somebody who he was mentoring into who would go to his talks and run his merch table by the name of Anthony Robbins, <laughs> who, Tony Robbins, he's the big self-help guru guy. And say what you want about Tony Robbins, I personally don't like his style all that much, but he's a mentor to a lot of people and he does a lot of good. I remember reading the Money Book and he talked at the beginning about how when he was growing up, his parents were fighting on Thanksgiving Day because they had no money and they weren't sure where the Thanksgiving turkey was going to come from. And someone had showed up and gave them a meal and that impacted him. And so through the proceeds of that one book, he gave out hundreds of thousands of Thanksgiving meals because he wanted to pay it forward. Yeah. So you don't really know who you're going to impact, but that that should be the goal. And uh, uh, in the uh, from the lens of the different people that you allow to speak into your life, I remember uh, when I started my own 
productivity, self-development journey. I was listening to a lot of podcasts and things, and I had this term for the mentors in my life that I was listening a lot to, and that was my internet heroes. And you kind of rolled your eyes at me when I would use that, yep. <laughs> that term. Oh, here we go again. You're like, are these people even real? I've never actually met them. You have now, you know, those those internet heroes that I used to go for a walk at night with you and be like, man, it'd be great if someday I could have a podcast on the Relay Network, or I'd love to be able to talk to David Sparks. You know, now I do a podcast with David Sparks on the Relay Network. <laughs> uh, and that's not because I'm good enough or smart enough or whatever. It's just because I continue to try to grow. And uh, those those people that you allow to, to speak into your life, they do have an impact on you and you can view them as a form of mentor. I don't think that's a true mentor necessarily. You do need to be careful who you're ascribing value and weight and honor to what they're saying. In fact, the, the word honor, that's literally what it means is weighty. Mm-hmm. So if somebody says something to me and I discredit the source, it's like I'm treating it lightly. Mm-hmm. But when I honor the mentors in my life, like my my pastor, for example, when he says something, I do my best to treat that seriously. Well, my pastor said this, he's anointed for my life. He obviously sees something I don't see. So I don't just discard, but oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about, right? So consider your sources and consider which words you're ascribing weight to. Yeah. One phrase that comes to mind as you were talking is your gift will make room for you. And the heart behind that is you don't push and shove and make room for yourself in the world. Those are people that I think of, this isn't a judgment on everyone that lives this life in the cor- trying to climb the corporate ladder. But I do get this picture of some people trying to cor- climb the corporate ladder and they'll do by any means possible to get the next promotion. Mm-hmm. That's again, not a judgment on everyone who's in that position. But what I think of here is that when we do our best to keep improving, incremental improvements, I remember we did an episode called micro adjustments, how mm-hmm. when the problem or the adjustment or the new habit seems so big, it's never going to stick. But when we break it down to the tiniest little minuscule change, that micro adjustment will propel us to our future. And when we keep getting better day by day, improving, look, I don't want to fly off the handle again, or I want to make this thing stick, or I want to listen to their advice because I can see where they've gone in their life. And we keep that mindset of constant progress, constant growth. Mm -hmm. The gift that is growing inside of us, the room will be made for that. And I think of your journey with your career and how that's literally a picture of what that phrase is. You just kept growing yourself. You kept improving and um, listening to and surrounding yourself with people that would inspire you and challenge you to be better. And what happened is opportunities kept coming. And as you applied yourself, you have found yourself over the last several years in a position in career that you never would have pictured five, seven years ago. But it has been this transformation, this metamorphosis. Yeah. Well, I that term self-made man comes to mind, and I don't really like that because I don't think, at least for myself, nothing I've done has been self-made. Most, not most, all of the opportunities that I have had have been through relationship. And that's one of the big benefits of having mentors in different areas is that they will open doors 
for you that you can't open yourself. I got an opportunity to preach at our church not too long ago, and the gist of the message that I preached was on the tipping point. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book on this, but there's a couple key ingredients to a, a tipping point. They are the right people, the a small action, and the right time. So, uh, right timing, right place. You know, however you want to want to say that. Uh, but the the right people is the part that spoke to me as I was studying that. Is you got to surround yourself with the right people, and then when you submit yourself to the right people, and you're drawing on the wisdom and the anointing that they have in their life, it just kind of oozes out of them. I think it's kind of a shame. I feel like there are a lot of people who have a lot to contribute and the flow just doesn't happen because the people who need it the most don't draw on it. Mm -hmm. But the moment that you draw on it and the moment that they start going, it's almost like they're overflowing. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you got to it's drinking from the fire hose. You can't you can't catch it all. There's so much so much good stuff out there, uh, but it requires again humility to shut up and listen. Most people would rather talk and sound smart. I don't want to say anything. I just want to hear what I should do so I can go do it. It's less important that I appear right in my own eyes than that I actually find out the truth and the solution to the problems that I'm facing. Yeah. And when I was sharing that about the last five, seven years, I, my, the heart of it that I see as your wife is that you are, you have been humble and willing to learn. If you weren't humble and willing to learn, we would be back where you were <laughs> at, in that phase of life. Sure. And that has come through mentors. That has come through the weightiness that we put on our pastors. And patience in the process. Yes. Because there will be times when you feel like, okay, I've got what I need for this season put me in coach and mm -hmm. they just haven't done it yet because it's not the right time. Yep. And you can't see that and you have to just trust the process mm -hmm. and believe that the opportunity is going to be there when it's the right opportunity. Believe that your mentors know more than you do and they're going yeah. to put you in a position like a coach so that you can succeed and don't be uh, went out before you are sent out. <laughs> yeah. And to highlight the story of Jim Rohn and his mentor, Earl Shelf. This is such a neat story. Uh, Mr. Shelf was born in 1916 with a heart condition, and he wasn't even expected to live, but he did. He was a teenager during the Great Depression, and he worked super hard at a dry cleaners just to make ends meet with his family. And in World War II, he was rejected to serve because of his heart condition, but he served anyway in a medical role in the American Field Service. And out of war, he married. He opened a dry cleaning business because that's what he knew. And he ended up switching careers, moving across the country, and started a whole nother company for people he met, not dry cleaning, became a millionaire, and he was a very influential speaker and inspired tons of people. He met Jim Rohn when he was, Jim Rohn was only 25 at the time, he was mentoring him. Jim had just gone through some crazy financial stuff, and he was kind of broken. Yeah. In fact, if you listen to The Art of Exceptional Living, Jim Rohn talks a lot about this point yep. in his it's life. A tipping point. Very 26 pivotal. years old specifically, he yeah. said, and he's like, I got nothing in the bank, pennies in my pocket, creditors calling. <laughs> yeah. And when you think about Earl Schof picking people that he's going to speak into, on the surface, Jim Rohn seems like a really bad choice. 
at that 26 year old place he was in. Yeah. yeah. It kind of reminds me of the story in the Bible of the cave of Adullam, where it talks yep. about all the people who were discontented, <laughs> in debt, distressed. <laughs> Yep. That came to David and he became a captain over them. Mm-hmm. And these are not the people you want to build an army with. The people who have no money. Yep. The people who are all stressed out. Yep. <laughs> but those are sometimes the people who are desperate enough to really Here. heed. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, you think about Jesus. He said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. True, but not every sick person is going to hear that message, right? Not every person who is in debt is going to respond to Dave Ramsey's message the same way. You got to be in the right position. And sometimes you become so attached to, I think it's, it stems from that, that mindset, that fixed mindset where if I don't know what I'm doing, then that's a knock on my character. Mm -hmm. But when you admit that you don't know something, that's actually a sign of, of growth. But I think some people, and I've been there, so I'm not saying like, this isn't us everybody can fall into this. You get so attached to the way that you're doing things. And I'm the one who created this mess. I'm the one who's going to get, get me out of here. And if it's not working for me, well, there must be some reason that it's, it's not working that brace that victim mentality. Well, the system's set against me, you know, that, that sort of thing. And that voice, that justification, that excuse, if you listen to those voices, they become so loud. They very easily drown out the voice of truth, which has your answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of his favorite quotes is, of mine anyway, is work harder on yourself than on your job. Love that one. And that is so appropriate for what we're talking about today. Because when you're working harder on yourself than on your job, then having a mentor in your life is paramount. Now, that does not mean don't work hard on your job. <laughs> right. Hear it correctly. Hear it right. Yeah. Do Hear your very best. Have a spirit of excellence. But ultimately, the most important thing is not the job that you are doing, but who you are becoming in yes. the process. Yes. Because... Anyone can work hard on their job, but what matters is character. Character is working hard on on yourself so that you have staying power. When things get really difficult in life, when you start experiencing a ton of stress and heartache and struggle and opposition, when you work hard on yourself and becoming the best version of yourself, more than just your task at hand, that is going to put you in a position to endure any hardship. And the people who work hard, I mean, that's that's good. That's that's a worthwhile trait. But don't just do it with your head down without questioning. Yep. You know, what is this doing to me? What am I learning from this? I'm yep. reminded of a a quote. I forget who said it. The man who knows how will always have a job. The man who knows why will always be his boss. Yeah. Ask why. Yeah. <laughs> and not ask why with a rebellious spirit. Like, I don't want to do this unless you explain it to me, but seeking to understand, not just check the box. There, I did the thing. I, yeah. I cleared the the to-dos, and now I can move on to the, the next thing. You, you're not a lemming. You're mm-hmm. not intended to just knock down the next domino all the time. You should have a long-term mindset. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm thinking of people right now, like, let's say, let's take an example of someone that works in a factory and soup, things are super loud all, all around them. So they're surrounded by people, but they're really alone all day working. Maybe it's on an assembly line where they're liter- literally doing the same thing all day. You know what? You have a brilliant mind. Every person on this planet, I believe, has a mind where they can be active, even mm-hmm. if what they're doing is boring, monotonous, and they feel alone. 
I've been reading more on prayer and how powerful it is. And I've always believed that, but even the stuff I'm learning, it's like mind-blowing. But someone working on a factory line could have their mind and their spirit active all day in prayer. They can be doing that same task all day and be way more effective than someone who's not doing that, not activating their mind, not activating their spirit Mm -hmm. and sending those prayers out. And I even think of people that maybe have a terminal illness or maybe they're paralyzed or maybe they're elderly and stuck in a, re- in a nursing home. Those can be the most powerful people on the planet based on what they do with their spirit, based on what they do with their mind. Yeah, your physical body, the one that is doing the tasks on the assembly line or whatever is only one part of you. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. That part's preoccupied. But there are other aspects of you that can be growing at the same time. At the very least, a podcast like this one, you could be listening to those. It requires zero additional effort. Mm -hmm. Just put some headphones in and you continue to to go about what you do. Yeah. Now, maybe that's a whole nother episode. Like you want to give yourself time to actually process and think and decide for yourself about what you are hearing. So don't just take stuff in all the time. There's got to be an output too. But uh, uh, yeah, there, there's so many sources of great information. Books are are great. Uh, in fact, I, I prioritize books over podcasts because podcasts are, are fun. They're informal. I listen to them for entertainment a lot of times. And, and I'll pick stuff that I will speak to things that are problems that I'm facing, or I want to hear what people are saying about a specific topic, but I'm not taking notes, for example, when I'm listening to a, a podcast. Sure. I am taking notes when I'm reading reading books, and books just seem to have like this higher level of uh, barrier of entry. So the effort to put for, you have to put forth in order to actually get a book, it, it makes the, the quality of the ideas that are presented in that medium, I feel a little bit more valid, a little bit stronger. There's There's more weight that I ascribe to those, but there's some brilliant people who have written some great things. I'm reading a book mm-hmm. right now, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale, which inspired the book that you're reading on, yeah. on prayer. <laughs> this is not at all what I thought this book was going to be. I've heard about it, 15 million copies in the 35th anniversary edition that I'm reading right now, which was printed in 1987. So I'm sure there's a ton more since then, but I'm reading this and I'm getting inspired and I'm seeing things in in new ways and and that's valuable mm-hmm. but I got to synthesize it for myself and put it in context of the other things that I've I've read and and listened to and decide for myself, you know, what am I going to do about this? The big thing from that for me is confess the word more, confess those positive things which are based in the truth of God's word and I'll make my physical surroundings align with that. And he's got story after story after story that will inspire you that it's true and it works. Yeah. Another quote that that leads right into is, don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems. Wish for more skills. Don't wish for less challenges. Wish for more wisdom. That is, books are an incredible source to be inspired and to learn things and to apply them. Another one of his is formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. (laughs) I like that. Because it changes you. And when you're changed, you can keep growing and increasing your capacity. But bringing it back to mentorship, 
you know, any of these podcasts that you listen to, any of the books that you read, you have a choice when you're presented with an idea that that is contrary to your experience. You can say, well, they just don't understand my situation. Or you can assume that they know more than you do. Mm-hmm. And the proud answer is going to be, well, I'm just going to continue to do what I'm I'm doing. And I guess this wasn't the right thing for me. But the, the answer of humility says, I am going to submit and do it the way that you say and not assume that I have all of the answers. And that's the attitude that you need to have in order to benefit from a mentor relationship. When you have that attitude, there are mentors everywhere. Yeah. And I love that. It is so true. You can We can learn from anyone. There's always something we can learn, no matter their age, no matter their background, no matter their religious affiliation. When we break down the fact that it's another human being that has experienced things differently than I have, I can learn from them. Am I going to apply everything they say? Probably not. But when we get in that position of actually having a hearing ear and to mm-hmm. being receptive, that's when we can actually have a voice yep. in someone's life. But when we think we have it all, we know it all, we got it all going on, we're prideful, people don't really want to be around you. <laughs> <laughs> you can probably admit that. that you stunt your own growth when you do that. Yep. It's not good for you. It may f- make you feel better in the moment because mm-hmm. you don't like not knowing everything. Yeah. But ultimately it's good if you see the truth and you recognize where your shortcomings are because now you can find something to help you grow and change and address those shortcomings and find answers and solutions to those problems. As you've listened to this conversation, can you identify an area of your life that you may need a mentor? Can you think of the one who it may be? Maybe they're already in your life and maybe you just need to put more weightiness on what they have to say and start applying some of their ideas. It may be someone you know personally, it may not. If you don't have that person identified, time to start that hunt and find them. If you need a personal trainer to solidify a workout habit, it is worth the investment. In any area of your life, there are people out there to be mentors. Thanks for listening to the Intentional Family Podcast. We can be found at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally. Intentionally.